So we are uh, continuing this series. We are almost done with this series. So uh, today we're uh, on week five. Next week we will conclude this series, our study through the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, so we started this several weeks ago. I so said we're on week five today where we started with the intro of Ecclesiastes and, and where it fits in the Bible. It is, it's one of the, the three books of, as a part of the wisdom literature um, that, that all these books are written and looking at the idea and answering the question of what does it look like to live a wise life, right? A, 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 with godly wisdom, what will a wise life look like? And we see that, again, this book was written by King Solomon, um, and he was the wisest man uh, ever to live because God granted him wisdom. And so he lived with, uh, with the wisdom truly from God. Um, and we see, and again, he uses this word over and over and over again throughout the book. Um, this word that is translated as meaningless in the NLT version. Uh, in, in other versions, it's, it's translated through a lot of different things like vanity or vain um, in the King James. Uh, but the, the Hebrew word is hebel. And that word, again, is one that's very hard to define and one to really grasp on exactly what it means. But it is the concept of the fact that when you, just when you think you have something figured out, right, then you realize that you weren't, you're not right at all, right? That it actually works and it's, it's a constantly kind of moving target. It's hard to figure out. Um, it seems like that it's solid until you grab for it and then you realize that it just, it just goes between your fingers. And it is pebble, right? It's meaningless. It's vain. Um, it is um, impossible to grasp or fully understand. And so we see, again, as we look at this word, again, we see Solomon writes through the book with two voices. We have the voice of the author that opens and closes the book. And then the, the core center of the book is written from the perspective of the teacher. Okay? And the teacher gives us, again, all, all of these ramblings about life and about way that, that, that we can find, we seek and try and find meaning in this life, and yet it all ends up hebel, except for God. And that has been our theme verse throughout this series, okay, which is Ecclesiastes 12, 13, which is when the author again summarizes the book, right, by saying that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. And yet we see here, again, the conclusion of the book is that everything is hebel, except for God, right? God is the only thing that brings meaning. God um, gives, uh, gives us uh, something to live for, right? We find meaning in that. And yet, uh, again, we see throughout the book, as we've looked at through the series, that there are so many things that we chase, that we seek in this life to try and find meaning in, and yet we end up at, still at Hebel if God is not involved. And so we've, we've worked our way through this, looking at these different things. In week two, we looked at um, seeking success. We looked at worldly success versus godly success. In week three, we looked at seeking pleasure and wealth, right, and how those, even those are empty without God. Um, last week, we looked at seeking justice and how life is just not fair. And even when life is not fair, we worship God anyways. Okay, and then we are here to today, and today um, is the last one, as we see, that we're seeking notoriety and position. Now, we are going to wrap it all together, end up, end the series next week, and we're going to end with the, the last, um, uh, like, six or seven verses that the author gives us at the very end of the book. So that's what we're going to do next week as we uh, wrap up and end this series next week. 
So as we look at this idea of seeking notoriety and position, you know, it's been very, very fun and I think interesting as we look at, as we've examined this book, you know, got, um, you know, under the hood, dug into the things he talks about, realizing that he wrote this literally thousands of years ago and yet realizing it's so incredibly relevant to today's culture. Right? And yet, again, we know that because God isn't Hebel and God is still in control, right? And, and God is continuing to work through our world. And God has not changed over these thousands of years. Um, but yet, again, our culture is different, right, than what the teacher saw. And yet, we, we understand there's so many similarities. Um, and this one, as he kind of gets to this point of notoriety and position, when we think about notoriety, we all want to be noticed, right? We all want to be, um, you know, uh, Lift it up, right? Um, put the spotlight on us. We want to be, you know, seen in that. Now, our culture, we see this in our culture as much today as ever. And in fact, I think maybe even more because of the internet and technology, we have more access, right, to people. We have more access, you know, to stories and to things that are happening instantly around our world. And with that is we, we see, right, that, that with notoriety is something that people really, really seek, right? People will do anything to get a lot of likes on their social media posts, right? Or to get a ton of views on your YouTube video, right? People do all kinds of things, okay? We see, again, just, it's all about getting the likes, right? If, can, can I get over 100 likes on my Instagram post, right? Or, or whatever it be. We do these crazy, crazy things. And we see in our culture, people do, do dumb stuff. They do silly things, right? They, they do um, just literally uh, the most horrible things in the world, like trying to get views and likes on it. We want notoriety. We seek people to notice who we are. Even within that is we also put celebrities on a pedestal, right? We look at, again, people that we, um, you know, see as famous. We, we pour over every minute detail of their personal lives, right? In fact, an entire industry has been centered around, you know, trying to get the deeper details of who these people are and and get pictures of them in these different moments, and, and we never leave them alone, right? And within our culture, we see this, this celebrity um, culture, this notoriety that we seek, and yet, as well as the position, right? Um, you know, not just notoriety, but also longing for position, longing to be in charge, right? Again, you can learn so much about the human condition if you watch little kids, Right? You just look at the playground on a school, right? and you see the human condition come out, and, and what you observe is that everybody wants to be the boss. Okay? We all want position. We all not, you know, seek these things, not just notoriety, but position. Right? And, and as we see, this is very prevalent in our culture, just as it was uh, in, in Solomon's culture. Um, he starts to, to teach on this here in Ecclesiastes, I mean, we're gonna, our base text for today is going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 um, and these, these, these last couple sections and leading into chapter 5 as, as he makes this case about notoriety and position and about how hebel it really is. So today we're going to jump into God's Word, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting at verse 7. If you have your Bible with you, please open with me. So we're going to start today, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 7 where it says, I observed yet another example of something hebel under the sun. This is the case of a man who was all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so hebel 
and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, as we see this, this intersection here about notoriety um, and position, is he's teaching us, again, just about how hevel this really can be. Now, he starts out, again, with these first few verses and talks about this man who is working, right, and working, trying to get pleasure, trying to get wealth, trying to get all these things that we've already looked at. And then he takes a step back and says, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Right? And realizes, again, what he's teaching us here about notoriety and position is that when you get it, you realize that notoriety and position can be very lonely. Okay, notoriety and position can be very lonely. Again, we work so hard to get to this place. We get so hard to, to have people notice us, to, to, get, to work our way up the ladder until we realize, we look around and realize we're by ourselves. Right, and that, this, this is not great, right? This is even more hebel than anything else we can figure out, right? Is that doing life alone is, is not the way God created us to live this life, right? Notarizing position can get us very, very lonely. Now, as then he goes in here, starting in verse 8 and then 9 through 12, and, and again, even in verse 9, it feels like he switches gears very abruptly, Right, he gives us this little story about this, this guy right, who, who realizes that everything is meaningless without people around him. And then he goes into these other verses right, about talking about people. And, and yet we realize they're very, very connected, right? that we can work so hard to get to this position in life and then realize that it, it's completely hebel without other people around. Right? And so he teaches us here that people aren't hebel at all. In fact, there's all these things in life that are, but yet people really matter. And then he gives us four reasons in these verses why people matter, right? Why people are not Hebel. Number one is that people give us motivation. Okay, they give us a reason to keep going, right? Again, if they, we can work our fingers to the bone, and yet if it's not benefiting other people, we sit down at the day and be like, this was, that was pointless, right? Why, why am I giving up, you know, just... Being lazy or a pleasure at this time, right? Why am I work? What am I really working for? Right? The number one reason to keep going is if it's for someone else, especially somebody you care about. Right? Because we, again, we'll go, we see, I can see this in our culture. And again, I saw this, uh, again, even my own parents, right? Is that parents will go to a church that they don't even like if their kids are happy. Right? We will work a job that we hate every day if it's providing for our family. Right, because people give us motivation. Right, because people really matter. Right, people give us meaning. They, they keep us going. Right, next as we see in verse 9, he tells us that people also can bring success. Right, that people can give us success. Now, again, even if you're a person that likes to work alone, right, there are times you get to a project where you just, you hit a brick wall. Right? And you're just like, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what he's changed. I don't know why this isn't working. And then another person can come in and be like, oh, just do that. Right? Change this. And you're like, oh, why didn't I see that? Right? Like fresh eyes give you success. 
sometimes in a situation that we can't find ourselves, right? Because different people see stuff that we can't see, right? And so people give us motivation to keep going. They lead us towards success, and, but all of that because people also bring us help, okay? People give us help, right? They're here to help us, right? We all know the phrase, many hands make light work. And the more people involved, the easier things are, right? And, and sometimes we just need that, that help. We can be far more successful, far more motivated, right, when other people are around us to help us. Okay, in fact, we realize, right, again, the, the people, even just them being with us provides us help, gives us more confidence, right, of people having around us. Again, one of the, you know, number one rules as far as, like, going, going snowmobiling or skiing into the backcountry or, back, or, you know, mountain biking, whatever it be, going to these things, is you don't go alone. Right, because if you get lost, you get hurt, whatever it is, right, just as he says in the passage, if this happens if, by yourself, you are in real trouble. Right? But if somebody's with you, right, they can help you, which leads then to the last one he gives us in verse 12, right, which is people give us safety. Okay, there is safety in numbers. They're the only thing that is worse than finding yourself in a really, really scary situation is being in that situation by yourself. Right, having other people with you, even in a very scary situation, is less scary. Even if the, if the, the you know, the facts of the, of the situation are exactly the same, if people are there with you, it's not as scary. Right, and they help us to be more safe and to bring safety into our lives. Right, we see, again, he sums up this idea of how people aren't hebel with one of the most quoted verses out of the book of, Ethi- of Ecclesiastes, and that is Ecclesiastes 4.12, which is three or even better for a triple braided cord. It is not easily broken. As you said, there's a few just kind of uh, verses that get quoted out of Ecclesiastes. This is one of them. In fact, this verse is used a lot of times in a marriage ceremony. Right? When you see, again, the concept of that, you know, the marriage between two people can be very strong. But if God is the third cord in that marriage, right, it can be extremely strong. Now, thinking of that, again, that's a good application of this, but, but yet as we look at the true context of this, he's talking about people and how, again, two people can be good, but yet three is even better, right? Because that triple braided cord is not easily broken. And when we look at this idea of notoriety and position, we see, and it happens in our culture all of the time, that notoriety and position have a tendency to break people. Right, they, they find a, a, they fa- a falling out, right? They get to a point in notoriety position where they lose that notoriety and position, right? And, and it's something, again, that, that oftentimes happens in our culture. Now, if it's not a moral failure, it doesn't break them in that, right? We, we've all seen people resign from high position, right? Whether it's a CEO or a political figure or whatever it would be, right? That if it's not a moral failure, or a scandal, right? What's the reason why they resign? They resign to spend more time with their family. Right? Because notoriety and position become very lonely. Right? And people matter. Right? And he's telling us people matter. Don't, don't give up people and relationships for notoriety and position. Because, again, that's something that we, we will do as we seek it, right? And, again, we see people when they resign these positions that they, they realize I've made 
a horrible trade. Right? I have this position, and yet I don't even know my family. Right? Then he continues to, to build his case here against notoriety and position, um, picking up in verse 13, Ecclesiastes 4.13. He says, it is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. Such a youth could rise from poverty and succeed. He might even become a king, though he has been in prison. But then everyone rushes to the side of yet another youth who replaces him. Endless crowds stand around him, but then another generation grows up and rejects him too. So it is all hebel like chasing the wind. And as he, as he talks about position and his notoriety, right, as he says, um, you know what, the, the thing we realize, right, in that is even when we get it, right, is um, it's, it can come quickly and it will leave just as quickly. Right, even if you're an, an old successful king, there will be a younger one that will come in behind you. Right? And when that one comes up, and they can rise to this position, and this is notoriety, and then as soon as that goes well, a new, younger, fresher, smarter king will come right in, and they'll forget all about you. Right? And he's reminding us here the fact of the, the thing that we all know, right, is that the 15 minutes of fame. Right? The 15 minutes of fame can come into our lives. We can get that notoriety. We can hit that position, and yet it will just leave as fast as we get it. We, we see this get happening in our culture. Like I said, as our culture speeds up with technology, you know, everything becomes very instant. I think the 15 minutes of fame is less than 15 minutes even today. Okay, and and we, we all know this, right? As we see these, these fads, these popularity things come and go, right? And, and to make this point, does anybody remember the summer of 2014? Summer of 2014, not very long ago, okay? But I'll just tell you is what happened that summer was this crazy cultural trend called the ice bucket challenge. Right now, now notice again, it wasn't that far away, right? And yet, this shows us, right, how quickly our 15 minutes last, right? Because as soon as I said summer 2014, everyone's like, wait, what? What happened in 2014? And yet, as soon as I say ice bucket challenge, everyone's like, oh, yeah, of course. We all know about it, right? It, it came, again, the summer of 2014, was a, a fundraising marketing ploy to, for ALS research, right, that said, hey, if you, if you dump this, if you're challenged, you dump this bucket of ice over your head, you only have to give $5. If you don't do this challenge, then you have to give 50 okay? and, and again, it, it went crazy, right? I mean, we all know this. It was, I mean, national media coverage. I mean, you know, companies, all kinds of stuff went, went nuts over this ice bucket challenge. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. Right, to the point where now even just a few years later, none of us even remember, right, until I bring it up. Right, we see, again, these 15 minutes of fame things come and go so quickly, right? And, and again, social media feeds it, and, and we know that, again, with the, the speed of our culture, right? Things come and go, you know, for, and we go from one thing to the next, right? Is, you know, um, does anybody remember fidget spinners? Right, again, they're, they're not very far to go. You know, now we all have these, you know, we, I mean, People were paying crazy amounts of money for these little fidget spinners, and, you know, they're everywhere, right? And to where we're changing policies at schools and all kinds of things because of these things. And then now, again, I mean, you can buy an entire pallet of them for like five bucks because nobody cares, right? And then we get off of that, and then we move on to these things like, you know, we take, 
um, Tide Pods, right? And kids start eating them. And, and then, you know, and then that, that lasted for literally like two minutes. And then, you know, we move on to this, to this next thing, right? And, and all of these popular things, they come and they go, and they're so fast. And again, we are all talking about Tide Pods, Tide Pods, right? And everybody's curious about that until we all started arguing over Laurel or Yanny. Right, and we all we all argue over this for again for a few moments, and then then we just move on to something else, right? We we get the fifteen minutes of fame, right? And and again, this as he was talking about here in Ecclesiastes that we see in our culture, right, is that notoriety and position are fleeting, right? It comes and it goes, and, and it'll it'll leave faster than it comes, right? And if we put so much emphasis on notoriety and position. Realize we're going to get let down. In fact, maybe even in less than 15 minutes. Okay, our, our culture loves to create notoriety. Okay, in fact, several years ago, um, our, our media um, outlets, right, um, realized this idea that we can create a, a celebrity instantly by what we put in front of people. Okay, and, and they, they started this trend that we now know as reality television. Okay, of where you take somebody who, is, who nobody, nobody knows about or cares about, right, and you, you put them in front of, a, in a certain situation, put cameras on them, right, and all of a sudden they become instant celebrities. Okay, and, and people actually like to watch this happen. Okay, and, and so we, and now we tune in again. We know it started, there's all, in all kinds of these, these different uh, reality television shows and, and all these different contests, they all boil down to the same thing, that we're going to take somebody who nobody knows about and we're going to make them an instant notoriety, high position in our culture. Right, this, again, uh, now the popular ones now, we know like America's Got Talent just started, right? Again, again, they're, they're bringing people in. And again, the word talent is a very loose term on the show, right? They're, they're, these people come in, they, they don't, you know, um, and, and yet they're going to be, you know, thrust onto the, to the, to the pedestal, right? And, and again, our culture is going to care for a, a few months, right? But it's fleeting. It's just going to go away right away. You know, again, not just talent, but like now the really, you know, popular uh, singing show, The Voice. Again, as we know, uh, again, American Idol started this trend, and now, again, The Voice has seemed to take that. And, and yet when we get a good idea, like our, our, our media, they just beat it to death, right? And, and even when it dies, we try to bring it back. Like they're trying to bring American Idol back. It's not really working, right? And all that. And, and we see, again, it's so fleeting. It comes and it goes so fast. And yet we get, um, they draw a ton of ratings, right? And, and nobody can put their finger on why, what catches and what doesn't and, and what's going to last, right? Because it is so fleeting. Now, what, one of the original um, reality TV shows that has actually stuck and gotten a real following that has stuck around is the show Survivor. Okay, now this show just finished. This was the most recent season, Ghost Island. It was its 36th season of Survivor. Okay, and really the, the show has really not changed very much. Okay, from the beginning. Now again, it's, it's a little bit different. They, it's a little more polished and, and smooth, but yet um, it's the same concept. Now, I'll tell you, is I, I love this show. Okay, it is one that I, I love watching it. There's one, and, and again, I've watched most of the seasons. This is one of my favorite shows to watch. And again, one of the reasons I love it so much is because you see the human condition come out in people and, and through every season, right? Again, you take a bunch of people, you starve them on an island, and all of a sudden you see the human condition come out. I know, shocker, 
right? But it's also very entertaining. Okay, and now as we see this though, and we know back this lot, this most recent season, this Ghost Island season, okay, was about all of these big mistakes that past players had made with with community idols and with all these these big big blunders that have haunted them ever since their season aired. Okay, and and the, these new players got a chance to redeem some of these things. Like they used the same idols, the same advantages, and they got to see if again if they could actually work this time instead of instead of ruin the game for them. Now, the, the interesting thing, again, watching through this season, is I realized, you know, how much people follow this show and how they, they know every last detail of every person that's ever been on it and every idol and every vote and all of these things. Now, again, I'm a Survivor fan, but as soon as the season's over, I completely forget about who was on there. Right? I don't remember, again, going back on this season and, and seeing some of these, these, these past things that they brought back. It was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And again, but even a lot of the players on this season, like they knew the person, the situation, every last detail. Right? And we put so much um, effort into, into remembering these things, right, that, that we, again, it becomes this huge focus. Whether it's a sports figure, a reality TV person, a movie star, or the next YouTube trend, we are constantly reminded that notoriety and fame can leave as quickly as we get it, right? It is fleeting. It's exactly what he, again, tells us in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 16, where he says, for the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fools. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. Okay, as soon as the season's over, nobody will care. Right, and, and when we think about that, again, he says, hey, our life, again, as he said, our life is full of seasons, right? And there's a point when you get to the end of this earthly life, when you get to the end of your earthly journey, right, is none of it even matters, right? Because, um, again, God is there, right? God is real. He's right there, which then he, he continues this idea and this thought then into chapter 5, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. When he says, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth. So let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That would make God angry and he might wipe out everything that you've achieved. Talk is cheap. Like daydreams and other useless activities, fear God instead. Again, he, he, he gives us, you know, this section, right, he He's making the point that he was setting up in these previous two sections, right? That notoriety and position, right, are, are fleeting. They'll come and go. It's, it's lonely. And he's, he's, he's setting this up to tell us to the, the real heart of the problem with notoriety and position, which he gives us here in this last section. And that is that notoriety and position feed our ego. And that's the real problem. Okay, because it gets the focus off of God where it's supposed to be and puts the spotlight on us. Okay, and, and again, our sinful, sinful nature is naturally selfish. 
right? And we all kind of bent towards selfishness because of sin in our life. And the more notoriety and position we get, the more it puts, puts our focus on ourselves and off of God, right? He's like, don't forget about God, right? Don't go into his temple and make these promises and, and, and all these things, right? Don't, don't focus on you at all, right? Because it's, it's not about you, right? The teacher starts out by saying how important people are. And then he talks about how fleeting fame is. And then he makes this big point, right? This is the drop the mic type of moment here where he tells us, pleading with us, don't trade relationships for self-gratification. Like that is a trade you don't want to make, right? Do not sacrifice relationships with other people and especially don't sacrifice your relationship with God because of who you think you are. Life isn't really about you anyway. And just talking yourself up is completely hebel. Because people aren't hebel, right? Relationships are worth the work, right? But if you're full of yourself, if you have a complete selfish lifestyle, you will destroy every relationship in your life. In fact, selfishness is a surefire path towards being alone. If you're the only person on the face of the planet, that will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because selfishness is a surefire, surefire path of ending up alone. Life is about relationships. Relationships with other people and ultimately our relationship with God. Right, and he's, he's telling us here, he's like, if you go down this path, if you seek notoriety and position, right, is eventually, it's going to affect everything in your life. In fact, it will even affect how you talk to God. Okay, and don't make that trade. Okay, don't make that trade. In Ecclesiastes 5.7, again, as he, as he illustrates this, he's like, you know what, talk is cheap. Like daydreams and useless activities. Fear God instead. Right, so even set yourself aside, right, and focus on Christ. Right, that's what life is really about. Right, it's about relationships, especially with our relationship with God. Because everything is hevel except for God. And then we, we are going to fast forward in the book here to the teacher's final words. Okay, which is in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Now these are the teacher's final words of the book, right? This is after, again, he's, he's been on his soapbox for a lot of chapters. He's, he's rambled through all of these different topics. And then we get to his final words, right? And um, where he just reiterates, again, this whole idea about that everything is hebel except for God. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and the rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows only see dimly. Remember him before the door of life's opportunity is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint 
Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like almond tree in bloom and you drag along with energy like a dying grasshopper and a capperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young. Before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken, don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Right, this is the moment, again, in, in the book where he, the teacher comes down and he gives us, again, the final thought and, he, and the final reason why notoriety and position will, will create this incredible pebble in our life. And that is that notoriety and position can make us forget about God. Right, the bigger our ego gets, right, the less we remember God. Right, the more successful we are, the more pleasure we find, the more wealth we seek, the more justice that is had, the more all of these things, the more, again, we grow in our ego, the less God becomes in our life. And he says, don't make that trade. Don't let all of this forget about God. Because no matter how high up the corporate ladder you get on this earth, there's always someone higher than you. No matter how high you get, there's always somebody higher than you, even if it's only God himself. Right? So don't forget him. Okay, as we read these words, these concluding remarks of the teacher, have you noticed, but yet, the tone switches in these last words of the teacher. This is where his pessimism and his sharp edges come off. As, the teach, as he wraps up all of his ramblings, this is when he finally kind of pulls up the chair, takes a deep breath, and looks us right in the eye and uses a tone we've never heard from the teacher before in the book, right? As he just looks at, looks at us intently and says, don't forget about God. No matter what happens in your life, no matter how successful you are, no matter how hebble everything feels, don't forget about God. Right, Ecclesiastes 8.8. Right? He reiterates this idea, none of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. There's no escaping that obligation, that dark battle. And in the face of death, wickedness will certainly not rescue the wicked. Right? He's saying, you know what, no matter how you do life, no matter how big your ego is, no matter what, is it cannot save you. Right? And you cannot escape death. Only God can save you. Right, and, and God is the only thing that's not Hebel. Right, at, at the end of your life, no amount of notoriety or position will change your eternity. Right, death doesn't care who admires you or how many people you're in charge of or how many Instagram likes you have. And none of it can save you. Only God can save you. Right, and... and 
the only thing that matters, right, is relationship. We will all end up there, right, when we're staring at the end of our earthly journey. And when you think about that day, right, that none of us can escape, what is really going to matter, right? It's our family, it's our friends, and it's our God. Right, and he, you say, again, is really pleading with us at this moment of the book. Right, remember people. And most importantly, remember God. Right, because we need God in our life. He is the only thing that brings any kind of meaning. Right, and again, my hope today is that if you're here and you don't know God, right, that you will join the journey with him today. Right, because nothing can save you but him. Right, and even if you're walking with God through that, always remember what is most important. Right, even our pessimistic teacher right, gets to the point and says, hey, people really matter. Right, and even above people, right, is God. Don't forget that. Which brings me then to my final thought this morning, and that's this. No amount of notoriety or position can ever replace the fulfillment that relationship brings, especially your relationship with God. So what is most important? in your journey, right? We're all on this journey, right? And we're all headed somewhere, right? Are we headed towards God, right? Is Jesus Christ the destination of our journey, right? Or are we seeking something else, right? Nothing will replace relationship. So I hope, right, is that no matter where you are, that you are in a relationship with God and with other people. Right, and the spotlight will be off of yourself, right, and on where it belongs, and that's our creator. Lord God, we come to you, Lord, and thank you, God, that you are good. God, that you, um, Lord, are worth living for. God, that you love us so much, God, that you saved us. God, that you, again, are um, just the point of life. And God, we praise you for that. God, we thank you that you are a God, Lord, that cares enough to have a relationship with us. God, that you want that relationship with us. And God, you created us for a relationship with you and with others. And God, as we go this morning, God, we pray, Lord, that you would truly be the king of our heart. God, that our focus would be so much on you that we don't even notice ourselves. And God, we pray again today that as we go through this week, especially this afternoon at the barbecue, Lord, is that everything we do would reflect on you. God, we praise you and thank you, Lord. Guide us as we go this week in Jesus' name. Amen.